and Apex Lab Podcast. Hey there, welcome to the Level Up Engineering Podcast, where we speak to the most experienced technology leaders from around the world. So stay with us to learn actionable management insights to take your engineering team to the next level. This show is powered by Apex Lab, a team of experts in end-to-end digital product development. ApexLab.io I'm happy to welcome Sally Nate. Welcome. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Sally has worked as a head of technology at a global digital agency, and she founded a digital transformation consultancy company. And she is a senior engineering manager at Monzo Bank in the UK. Sally, please tell us about what you do and what your history is. Okay, great. So as you said, I am currently working as a senior engineering manager at Monzo. And for those who don't know, Monzo is a digital only bank. We started in 2015, um, but we got our full banking license in 2017. It's an incredibly fast growing fintech company. So we, I think we started 2019 with something like 1.3 million customers. And then by the end of this year, just finished, we've, um, we've got to 3.6 million and we've got about wow. 40,000 people joining every week. So it's it's hugely fast moving. It's lots of change, lots of things like that. So my role is that uh, I sit on the leadership team of one of our sort of vertical segments of the company, which is um, operations. So I represent engineering in operations. And I'm also responsible for the web as a discipline at Monzo. And then alongside that, I work on initiatives for management. So things like our progression framework and I manage engineers and some of our managers as well. Wow, sounds like you have a very rich job. So you have quite the experience. Today, our topic is the engineering culture at Monzo. Let's track back a little and let me ask you, what are the key elements of a great engineering culture in general? Sure. So I think that engineering culture can be influenced by quite a lot of things. So I think you've got your general culture at a company, and then you've got aspects of that which are going to be specific to engineering. So in general, I think having a great culture to me means that people can be happy and healthy, and they're doing really good, meaningful work to them, and they can grow as individuals with that. And there are loads of different things that contribute to that. Factors that I particularly care about are things like having a diverse team and seeing yourself represented in other people, having really great psychological safety. So people are actually feel safe to fail. They can feel safe to be themselves, to have uh, a lot of kind of respect for one another and kindness, to have people be able to be vulnerable and to have autonomy as well so that, you know, you can make a difference to the team that you're in. So I think generally companies that embrace those kind of attributes tend to do very well. But in terms of engineering culture, we have a lot of quite particular values around this. So we have things like being hard on problems, not people. So if you're going to mess up, if you're going to break something in production, for instance, we want to fix the underlying process that let you get to that point rather than being hard on a person. We do want people to be able to kind of ask questions and to learn and grow as well as engineers because technology changes so fast it's impossible to know everything. So I think a really important aspect of engineering culture is to be able to embrace that. And also one of the things that is really important to me is that when you're in work, it's fantastic to be passionate about it 
and to have a real sense of purpose and to be brought into the mission, you should be able to leave that at the door and go home and enjoy your life as well. Because I think the common perception that engineers should always be coding and that's the only hobby that you ever sort of do in and out of work. And there are some real dangers around things like burnout with that. So for me, a great aspect of culture is that it can be part of your life, not the entirety of your life. Mm -hmm. It sounds like you are putting the bar quite high for our listeners. We're all excited about this. What is Monzo's engineering culture like? It is genuinely the best place and the best engineering culture that I've ever worked with. Before I sort of moved to Monzo, as you said, I was running a consultancy business and got to experience a lot of different type of engineering cultures. And not to take anything away from any of those places, but Monzo has the kindest and most empathetic and the smartest team of engineers I've ever worked with. Everybody is very generous about bringing other people up with them as well and trying to leave the world a better place than they found it. Uh, and I spent the first few months going, what's the catch? <laughs> what's, you know, why is it really this good? So there's a few things in particular that I really enjoy when it comes to our, our culture. The main one, which gets mentioned a lot by people who are new to the company, is that we have a, another sort of value of defaulting to transparency. So that's not to say that every single thing will ever be transparent, but where possible, we like to challenge that as much as possible is done in the open. And that goes right through to things like engineering proposals. So if somebody is proposing to make a change to our architecture or other aspects of the culture, they write a proposal and anybody in the company is free to comment and share their values and their views and to make sure that everybody kind of has an opportunity to, to see what's going on. We run everything through Slack, so everything is generally very visible. Slack also is used as a really important tool for some of the, the sort of the cultural aspects as well. So one of our very senior engineers created what we call the guys bot as well, which is a little Slack bot that pings up if anybody comes in and uses the word guys in conversation, because we don't feel that it's a very inclusive term to use. And so we've sort of built some of these things into our sort of wider culture by using our engineering skills to kind of build tools and build other little nudges and reminders. So I, I love those kind of things, which just gently sort of nudge people into trying to kind of live out the values that we as a company find really important. I also think that it's fantastic when we've got some of these senior engineers sharing their experience, sharing their knowledge and making other people feel safe along with them. And a great example here was one of the most senior engineers we have gave a talk at the very first lightning talk session that we set up. And the talk was about everything that they had broken in production. And nice. I just thought that was great that you can, you can kind of like share that with others. And the message was ultimately of how it's okay and how we are gonna try and fix root causes rather than it being something that's really scary or something that you should feel a lot of guilt and shame about. So I think that the people around me every day are absolutely the best part of the culture. That's amazing to hear. And it sounds like it's really dependent on the people who are working with you. How do you make sure that the new people, the new candidates who will come to interview with you guys are a good cultural fit for here? So I think the danger of things like culture fit is that sometimes that can be a little bit intangible. And in a lot of companies, 
individuals might talk about culture fit without being able to define how somebody does or doesn't fit into that. And the danger is that you can very easily end up with a very homogenous group of people who are all similar in terms of the same strengths and weaknesses. So when it comes to culture fit, I think we tend to think of it more in terms of having alignment in terms of values. And with Monzo, we're quite vocal as a company and we try and kind of put out a lot of our values and a lot of our personality in things like social media. So a lot of the people that come to interview process actually have quite a good sense of what we stand for and what we expect because they've seen tweets or blog posts, things like that. During the interview process, we do kind of check that our values are aligned and in the same place, but we also want to understand what candidates might bring to our culture, which we may not already have, or which challenges us in a really positive way. Obviously, looking out for dangerous misalignment, things like that. Of course, we look for things like technical quality too. And so we do have different kind of facets to the interviews. But ultimately, I think cultural fit is not just a one-way process. It's got to work for both people. And you've got to make sure that the candidate has an opportunity to kind of get bought into the way of working and the culture that you're trying to create to make sure that it's right for them as much as it's right for you. Mm-hmm. So in your case, how do you think a tech lead can create this kind of great culture where people trust each other and are feeling comfortable enough to be vulnerable? Just before I kind of answer that, as context, are tech leads individual contributors? They're not managers. And what they do is they work to foster collaboration between our product people, our designers and our engineers. We don't necessarily have one in every squad. So we have a model where we have some squads and then teams and then larger units called collectives. We like to have them in certain types of squads in particular. And we also have leads at collective level who are sort of responsible for the other squads within that collective. And so these people are thinking about problems like the systems design and architecture and trying to get us to a place where we've got really great outcomes from a technical perspective. But they're also thinking about driving forward goals, and that can be both for the squad itself and its delivery or the other engineers around them. And so they work quite closely with the engineering managers to find opportunities for other individuals, and they work maybe on you know some other initiatives and things like that. So they can play a really important role in culture. They can promote the values. They can put forward kind of like learning opportunities for other people. But one of the things we've been doing lately is to really empower everybody to realize that they can be a leader when it comes to culture, even if they don't necessarily see themselves as one. So whilst they are kind of separate from, uh, so managers would handle engineers' progression and performance and their well-being and their growth, The tech leads are kind of there on the ground. They can lead through example. They can come at some of these conversations from another angle. So when it comes to kind of really creating that positive culture, tech leads have such an important part to play. So what should a day-to-day look like for tech leads? Depending on the part of the business that they're working in, because as you can imagine with a company like ours, We have very different types of work around it now. Now we've grown to the size that we have. But a typical day for them might look something like going to stand up in the morning and hearing obviously what everybody else is working on, understanding if there's any blockers they can help with. They might have one-to-ones with people in their team or other teams as well. 
they will be working on things, um, but they might be writing proposals, they might be giving feedback on some suggestions for architectural changes, things like that. We also have a lot of different kind of rituals. So we have a tech leads forum where um, within my area of the business, all of the tech leads get together and share kind of opportunities or challenges that they've got. And then ultimately they're also doing some work. So they might be doing hands-on coding and, you know, just, just generally all the other bits that you need to get done during your day. Mm-hmm. So they have their hands full. Yes, very much so. <laughs> it's a very, very tricky job. They do a great job though. So as in um, the terms of measurement, how do you measure if you have a good engineering culture? Are there any KPIs or do you use any surveys and what signs or feedback are you looking for to, to give you red flags? This is something that has evolved a little bit over time. And I think as the company's grown, we've had to sort of formalize this a lot more because when you've got say 20 engineers, it's very different when you've got 200. So we use internally at Monzo, we use a tool where everybody is surveyed monthly and that's everybody across the business. And we ask different questions, which give us some metrics and that's everything from how they feel about the office environment through to kind of the level of management support that they're getting or happiness with the type of work or their pay, things like that. So we end up with kind of a picture of how happy everybody is generally. And then if we um, need to, we can drill down into certain areas to see if we need to fix them. Something else we've been doing a lot more lately is looking at what we're calling squad health checks, which is getting the actual squads and the people who work together in a room to go through a set of questions to identify which aspects of their work they feel are really healthy or otherwise. So that's been really interesting to work out how, again, like on different levels, different factors can play a part in people's um, happiness and and the culture generally. We generally try to have a very strong feedback culture. So while some of these conversations, some of the, the information we get is anonymous and it's aggregated, we generally try to encourage people to give a lot of feedback directly. And we've got tools around that. Plus we've got sort of what we like to think being an engineering manager, hopefully I hope that we have um, great manager relationships as well. So if people sort of have any concerns, they have channels to go through. But on the other hand as well, we can try and impact the culture. We can try and make positive changes through some of those relationships too. So we, we do try and measure it. And it's something that we're aware of both from a kind of like management perspective generally, but it goes right up to the top. So these are conversations that frequently ha- uh, get talked about in our weekly all hands by people like Tom, the CEO, or generally other C-suite members. They are very vocal about cultural a- aspects of working at Monzo and how we can improve it, how we can continue to do great things. So it's something that everybody is generally bought into. Mm-hmm. Just for us and our listeners to be on the same page, You have mentioned that you are working in this squad and collective systems. How many people are generally in a squad and how many squads are generally in a collective? We introduced collectives, I think it was early on in 2019 because we were growing and so we needed to revisit how the structure was working. So prior to that, we had had a model which was kind of squads and teams. We introduced collectives loosely based on the tribes model that people like Spotify use, but we decided to introduce our own naming because we weren't very keen on the naming that they'd used. So 
squads are smaller groups of people working on particular problems and again their sizes may vary but we tend to kind of stick to smallish squads and, and sort of use the the classic pizza rule of how many people to have in sort of small groups that work together those may or may not include their cross-functional as well so they might have a product manager they might have back-end engineers web engineers who sort of a, a more sort of web ui people or mobile engineers there tends to be a mixture of kind of designers visual designers user researchers data people i'm probably forgetting a really important discipline <laughs> <laughs> but the point is that they're kind of formed to solve a problem mm -hmm. and they then work alongside other people within a similar problem space within what we're calling the collective so mm -hmm. within ops collective we we have a, a few domains but the main one is all of our customer support we build our customer support software in-house so we have several squads who kind of work around some of the aspects of that um, getting people the help that they need at the right time and building the systems that can facilitate that um, but we also have other squads which look at things like the scheduling for all of our amazing customer support folk and some other kind of um, more underlying aspects like how we use machine learning things like that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. thank you for for clarifying that and this question might be a bit not in your scope currently but how would you define a bad software engineering culture have you had any experience where maybe it wasn't as healthy as it is for you now have you you know ran into any common mistakes that new engineers might uh, might encounter i think everybody's probably at some point come across their view of bad culture so i think for me a lot of it when we talked about the positive aspects of engineering culture a lot of that is just flipped on its head so the things that come to mind immediately are if you were to have a, a really homogenous team i think personally that it's very dangerous not to have diversity in your teams and that it can lead to a culture where you can run the risk of worst case scenario you know potentially discrimination things like that but on the other hand um, it can just help you to make better product decisions i think and make better decisions that work for everybody when you do have a, a more diverse team you can get into a point sometimes if people don't feel safe where there can be lots of finger pointing and blame for why things have gone wrong you know why did this project overrun why did we make so many mistakes why is it always broken all of that and i think that just tends to lead to people trying to sort of cover their own back looking out for themselves and again you don't end up having the kind of culture which is facilitating great work and mm -hmm. to have people feeling happy and i think I, i mentioned previously the fact that i i think it's a really important aspect of culture to do everything as well as you can when you're in work and have you know really really important drive so that you know why you're doing something whatever that is but that you should be able to leave that at the door and go home mm -hmm. and so i think you know we've seen uh lots of different viewpoints especially on social media recently about what it means to work long hours and to be successful and how much of yourself you should give right and the way that i think we approach it is that our ceo has stood up again in our sort of weekly all hands and has said different people will approach this differently because everybody has their own individual needs and somebody may want to put in really long hours and we're not going to 
stop them and tell them that's wrong because they will have their own motivations but likewise nobody should feel like they have to be working every minute of the day nobody should feel like they have any obligations to do anything or the work is more important than their life so i think in a bad culture you end up dictating to people how they should be operating whereas in a really great culture people should have that autonomy and the trust to be able to do a really great job and to then stop whenever they need to right so what are some of the typical behaviors that you would point to when going down the drain with the culture what are some behaviors that managers should look out for and and what are frankly some behaviors that managers should avoid themselves it's a great question and i think the main thing that springs to mind which is actually something we talk about as part of our manager interviews is the concept of the brilliant jerk which i'm not sure if you're familiar with i am not so please explain so the brilliant jerk is it's a concept that i think a lot of people will kind of go oh yeah that person and it's an engineer who is fantastic at their job technically so they can deliver really really complex problems they often get their head down and sort of go into themselves and just work alone to do it and they may be completely unable to work with other people there may be a lot of negativity they may have a really sort of negative impact on the culture and be the person that everybody goes they're such a jerk they are on one hand a fantastic engineer on the other hand they are a sort of cultural drain and i think if you're not very careful with how you manage this kind of situation that can become the norm it can be accepted that you know you just end up with a culture where people are like oh that's just so and so right we just have to sort of let that go because they deliver great work so that can be very dangerous if you're not aware of it and don't have a way that you would manage those sort of situations so how should you manage that well giving away interview answers here <laughs> <laughs> uh, my view is i've been in these sort of situations before and that there are always some subtleties around it but the important thing is to work out as a company what kind of values do you want to have because it might be actually that if this is your view as a manager and it's not in line with the rest of the company view that something's okay then that's a wider problem to solve right um but if you're looking at it on a kind of like one to one basis of how you actually address this with a person mm -hmm. some conversations about what's important to them so is it their own do they see themselves just as an individual or do they see themselves as part of a team do they care about the people around them do they understand the impact do they want to develop the culture around the company do they have an awareness of the impacts that this is potentially having and how it might influence other people having some of these conversations i think can be a really really interesting starting point because whether or not this person is actively engaging in these behaviors and is trying to have a negative influence is very often something that people might not be aware of and they might want to reflect on and, and have that opportunity to change so just jumping to kind of they're a bad person making assumptions that's right. not healthy either right right thank you for that so if there are some of these behaviors but not all and you generally have a great culture going on 
what are some things that you would watch out for to improve in the first place? I know this is very out of context, but you know, how would you go about improving a culture? What would be new processes to help improve a culture? How would you add new people? How would you help them? It's a really, really interesting area. And I think the key thing here is that for me, culture can always be worked on because even if you feel like you're in a place where you've got a really great culture, it's quite easy to get complacent. And as you say, you need to add new people, things change. And if you're not mindful of sort of continuing to build that culture, then that's when I think things can slide. So I like to think that culture can be influenced from several different dimensions. So we mentioned before the impact that you can have one-to-one. So talking to somebody directly, whether that's um, like a managerial relationship or a peer relationship, and as a tech lead, the role that they can play in that. You can also influence it on a sort of a group level. So getting the team culture right is really important um, with the groups that people are actually delivering work in as engineers. And then you can look on a wider scale. So you can think about kind of disciplines across the company. So as an example of a discipline, we have engineering as a discipline as opposed to something like design. But then even within that, we have our own little community of web engineers, for instance. Mm -hmm. So I think the first things for me are sort of taking stock of where you think you are, whether you think everything is quite positive and it's continuing, um, whether there are challenges, how are people generally feeling? And then you can look at the practical things that you can do and prioritize which aspects are going to have most impact. And a really key point, I think, is to communicate what you're doing. So make sure that actually people understand why you're making these suggestions, why you're trying to make changes and, um, you know, consult with them and and change your tactics if people feel um, very strongly about it. So some really practical examples of things that I've seen can be valuable in terms of the engineering culture. The top one I'd say is, do you have any expectations set out for people of what they should be doing? Mm -hmm. Uh, And that might be like the company values. It might be the engineering standards and sort of principles that you expect people to adhere to. So we have one, for instance, that is around using tech debt as a tool and explaining to people what that means and when it is a tool and when it isn't a tool is really important. But then there can be other things as well that you can put in place to help. So we have an engineering progression framework, for instance, which I'm helping to um, to do our second version of at the moment. And what this does is it helps keep pay fair, but it gives people a shared set of expectations about what it means to be a level one engineer or a level two engineer. It helps people set their goals for progression. But within that, we sort of, we break it down into a lot of different areas. So we have our mastery, which is the technical level that we expect of engineers at a certain point in their career. We talk about the impact they should be having and the kind of scale of impact. But then we also talk a little bit about things like the communication expectations or the influence on their peers or the leadership. What we're trying to do with that is to bring in some of the cultural aspects of what we think is important as a business and what we Mm -hmm. expect or want to encourage from people. So being quite explicit about what is and isn't okay on those fronts, I think can be very, very valuable. Mm -hmm. And this is a sidetrack a little bit. We talked about really constantly monitoring ourselves as engineering managers. And we talked about monitoring our people, how they react to how we behave. And my question is really, 
how do you make sure that your change management is not forceful but also influential and it gets things done it's another great question i think this does depend somewhat on the type of change that you're trying to make so if it's something which is kind of a little bit lower level and more foundational some aspects of culture change will take a while to do and the results will be as a sort of result of bringing everybody on that journey with you so with those kind of things i think it's very much about talking and listening and showing benefits and getting people brought in and people might not necessarily always agree but over time you will have an opportunity to listen to those people and maybe sort of tweak things if you need to but that is very different to if you suddenly need to make a big cultural change um so if for instance we were going to say you are not ever allowed to work from home anymore mm -hmm. which is not the case we have a great distributed culture but if something like that was going to come in people would uh, you know people's situations their workflow their lives would be fundamentally disrupted and so i can't ever think of a situation where you would sort of you know just blanket put a policy like that in place so mm -hmm. it's a terrible example in some respects but if you are going to do things like that i think communicating really clearly the decision making process and why this is important for mm -hmm. the business because it won't be made lightly being really clear to that and being really clear that this is happening mm -hmm. that it's not a conversation hopefully though you would be in that position because there are very very strong reasons for doing it and hopefully the culture that you've built to this date supports that so you've hopefully built a culture where people understand the need for change and they're probably used to it it's not going to blindside them mm -hmm. and that actually there's enough support mechanisms around them so that whatever change you need to make if it is kind of a telling you not asking you that people still feel comfortable they still feel safe within the environment and that they trust that whatever comes next will still be great right so it's really difficult but i think a lot of it does come down to the trust and the relationships that you've built up to that point to let you make the hard things happen at the right times right thank you for that you have mentioned that monzo has been growing quite fast how do you keep the culture when when scaling up an engineering team how do you keep the values how do you you know change the processes one of the most important things that we've learned is as you grow you have to become a lot more explicit and that some of the things that you just naturally do and that is kind of like unspoken rules or unspoken expectations of people if you've got five of you and you all know each other really well that's fine when you've got 500 of you or 5000 of you and you don't even you know maybe you've not even met some of these people before being able to kind of be on the same page about the expectations of culture is really really different so i think the first point is that culture will change and acknowledging that your culture will change as you grow and as you scale engineering in particular is going to be really important and there's no point in pretending that things will stay exactly the same mm -hmm. so we've had to be a lot more explicit about defining the culture that we want and really thinking about where we want to 
where we want to be, what happens with that. And I think also it's about thinking about how you can sort of build a bit of process in. So what are the tools that you need to facilitate this? So I mentioned, you know, we have our feedback tools and we have our monitoring tools in terms of the surveys and stuff like that. We also have got loads of other fantastic things uh, on the back of every toilet door. There's a poster, which is basically about our values. And it's, it's sort of saying, it's okay to have a tough day at work. It's okay to cry. It's okay to ask for help. It's, you know, it's okay to do all of this mm-hmm. and being really, really explicit about that kind of side of things. I think, again, it's important for people to, to see and to, to have those messages, not necessarily just be one-to-one word of mouth. You've mm-hmm. got to think about the ways that you can actually share them on scale. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So it sounds like communications is of key importance when it, when it comes to sustaining or scaling up the culture. Absolutely, uh, yeah. So how can our listeners find you online and how can they find Manzo? So with me, it's quite easy. You can find my website at sally.dev and I'm Sally Late, that's S-A-L-L-Y-L-A-I-T on Twitter. Monzo, you can find, uh, we've got monzo.com, that's M-O-N-Z-O. We've got the app in our iOS and app stores. The product itself is available in the UK and the US at the moment. So if you've got any uh, questions or if you would like any more information, have a look at those. Thank you. And thank you, Sally, for, for this informative conversation. Is there anything else that you would like to share with our, with our listeners today that we haven't touched on? I think the main thing for me is just to be really mindful of the culture that you want. In engineering in particular, it's very easy to just measure output in terms of the amount of code delivered and how much work we're getting through and the quality of it and how much everything breaks. But taking a step back and looking at the culture, looking at the role that it can play, looking at how you can grow people around you into even better and more caring and empathetic engineers can just be a really, really important tool in your toolbox. And one of the things that we found is that people buy into that. They want to join the company for the culture. Um, So for me, it's just been such a fantastic way of joining an amazing team, but also just building something even better and having brilliant people around to make that happen. Thank you. Thank you. That really sounds great. As Sally said in the beginning, if you would like to be part of Monzo, you can check them out on social media and perhaps see how their cultural values are at the moment and go from there. You can also find some very informative videos of Sally online. So you should be checking those out if you're interested in hearing more. Thank you for being with us today. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. I am Carolina Toth and I thank you all for listening and staying with us today. And I hope to see you next time. Thanks for staying with us. This was the Level Up Engineering Podcast by Apex Lab. Check them out at apexlab.io. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel, rate our content, and share your thoughts on this episode. See you next time.